everybody, and welcome to the show you love to hate. I'm kidding. I hope it's just love. But we've got a spectacular show for you this week. It's all fun and games and good times and cancel culture and racism and old school comedy chic. We're going to talk about this and that and rat a tat tat and whatever the hell else you want to put in there. But the important thing is, is that it all starts right now. Well, greeting, folks. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to another Nightfly podcast, super fan edition, the audio video podcast. I love saying it like Atlanta's messy TV, but uh, here we are again. Welcome back to the show. It is March of 2021 for our Patreon subscribers, $5 or more. You get the video. Today or whenever, you know, Tuesday technically comes out, but we know we always give it out early and then otherwise you get it a month later when everything will just be not topical. And when I say that, I mean, how hilarious is that, that I uh, even for a second was conveying that the nightfly might be topical. (laughs) I am so hilarious. Hope let's see if I can. I'm looking at myself. Yeah, I think I'll button up. One more top button there. There we go. I think it looked pretty good. It's a snazzy little shirt I put on just for you guys tonight. And uh, I don't know. You know, I get nervous when I do the uh, video podcast. I'm not used to anybody seeing me. Meanwhile, uh, well, uh, I don't know. What are we really talking about today? We got, uh, let's see, tonight, if you're listening to the audio version on Tuesday. Okay, there was a mix-up last week. For the comedy solo thing, there wasn't a mix-up. Tom Shalhoub couldn't make it. He had to do some sort of Gregorian chanting. I don't even, I don't know what that is. Some sort of church function, which is exactly what you expect from somebody who looks like Tom Shalhoub. And uh, so he had to cancel, which of course makes me upset, but he canceled a few days before. So it was rectified, clearly, as you know. So we had John Joseph, who I'd never met before, and uh, little Danny Natterman on, and it was okay. It was a fun show. And so this week, tonight, if you're listening on Tuesday, on the Comedy Cellar Nightly Show, we will have Tom Shalhoub and Jamie LaBella from Fox News. The week after, we will have Leslie Mendelson. She's a wonderful singer-songwriter. She's a little like Nora Jones, I think. She's very soft. <laughs> spoken and you know her music is her music is not going to be the kind of music that makes you dance around but it's still good and she's got a great voice and she's a, a really nice person and uh, I think we're going to have Rachel Feinstein on as well I thought that would be good because I'm trying to do a monthly series where I'm going to have uh, more music like an extra musician which is a smart move now that I get the feeling a lot of people are going to be canceling once things open up again, at least here in the city. For comedy-wise, I'm afraid I'm going to get a lot of last-minute cancellations, so I'm going to prepare in advance. But so far, so good, and we have everything scheduled until March 30th. 
And then we'll see what happens, I guess. I mean, I'm going to continue to do the show because I enjoy it and whatever the case may be. Speaking of which, you know, my friend Sophia, the British girl, she's coming here to my house. As you can see, my Seinfeld apartment in the background. She's coming here in a few hours. I'm very uptight. She will be the first person besides my cleaning lady who has come to this house in a year. And my cleaning lady canceled on me yesterday or Thursday. I'm very upset about that because you know you don't want a really stunningly gorgeous model coming over your house when it looks like a pigsty but nobody's been here for a year so it hasn't really mattered i mean you know usually it looks clean it's so oh it's so embarrassing but she's coming because we're trying to do a new show which is very brilliant of her idea that we just do a stock tip show i mean why shouldn't we it's that that's not a cancel culture it's a culture that's happening with reddit and all those memes and the GameStop people and she's involved and I'm involved because she got me involved. So why not have a model and a comedian talk about money? <laughs> it, just, it just makes a lot of sense, actually. But the weird part is she wants to come over and, and film it live. I'm like, well, can't we just do it on Zoom? Listen to me. Like, this beautiful model wants to come over and no, I think we should do it together, sitting on the couch together and talking. I'm like, yeah, can, can we do it separately? Can we just, you know, go on Zoom and, and do it separately? And it's like, I'm like, I don't even want to, <laughs> I'm like so not um, ready for people yet, even though I'm I'm vaccinated up and ready to go. But I I don't know, you know, somebody coming over and then doing stuff i i can't even imagine i'm not i'm not ready gotta be eased into that which of course you know i need somebody much more unattractive to come over first before this gets started you know somebody to just play the uh, video games behind me which of course you can't see but something to to get to get things going first you know i mean this is uh this is insane <laughs> but that's that sophia she's crazy but she's fun and it's a great idea so we'll see, you know, I mean, uh, eh. but she's coming over. She's like, no, we'll get, we'll get a drink and then we'll do the show. And I'm like, I can't do it that way. I have to do it the opposite way. I do the show and then get a drink. And I don't even want to get a drink. I'm done drinking because I want to keep my head clear because I'm, I'm really been productive on Saturdays and I just want to keep my head clear and drinking one drink and it's over for me. I can't do anything else. I know other people are good at that. Getting high. You can do work. Drinking, you can you know, have a glass of wine. You can do work. You can read. Not me. One sip of alcohol, it is over. Either I get a headache or I just cannot concentrate. I couldn't possibly read. I don't know how people could drink a glass of wine or get high and read. It takes all my full concentration to read. And, and I'm talking about comic books, the newspaper, my Harry Potter book I'm reading, the third one. It takes my full concentration. I can barely have the radio on. Sometimes I'll put on a little bit of music, but it has to be very low. That tells you something about, you know, people, I think. If you can concentrate and do your homework or, or read with music on or wherever you are, then you probably are pretty bright because you have very good concentration skills, and clearly I just don't have those. It's hard for me to concentrate. It's hard for me to sit down and concentrate. It's... It's hard enough to do this podcast and figure out what I'm going to say all the time and plan things for the video. So actually, why don't I just uh, we'll, we'll, we'll come back on the flip side with some other stuff we got to talk about. But let me get to my guest today. My guest today is Susie Felber. And you don't know her, 
but she was integral in the up up and coming comedy group of folks that are around my age and a little and younger in the nineties. She used to run a place called Ye Old Triple Inn on Fifty Fourth between Seventh and Eighth Avenue, and it was a kind of a hell gig in the sense like if if you could perform there and do okay, well you were good because this was one of those places they would depict in a movie when you're first starting out. If they made a biography of me and they saw, you know, the stuff or even as much as, uh, yeah, it's not good with the other people because we know they're good. So it would have to be me because it can't be somebody that's good because if somebody's great, then we know that they can handle a room like that. It would have to be me <laughs> and, and see me shy away from comedy after I perform. It's all rowdy and yelling and, people angry that you're doing comedy i mean but it was fun and this girl made it a good time and she also found this unbelievable card collection i i don't know whether we talked about it we might have talked about it last week i i can't remember of uh some of the old comics that and so she has some ready for us today that we're going to look at you know we found rich voss's last week i'm pretty sure i told you and it just said no good with two underlines and it's really funny. Again, I wouldn't find that funny if he didn't make it. That's that's mean, unless it's some dick that I hated. But as long as somebody is successful in comedy and then they have the, you know, it's like the Fred Astaire thing. Uh, balding sings, can dance a little. You know, that was his screen test that uh, I believe it was in Debbie Reynolds' book where they bought that out. And she said that's that's what his screen test was. And I, somebody has that that comment card by somebody whoever did that. So it's kind of like that. Um, not Rich Voss so much, but <laughs> the other people maybe we'll find in this treasure trove of folks. So uh, why don't I just bring her in? We'll start the show that way. And we'll be back with Susie Felber right after this. Welcome. Please hang on to your wigs and keys. The Night Fly with Dave Juskow. Well, I'd like to bring in Susie Felber, who I haven't seen. I oh, my goodness. uh, How long have we not actually seen each other even in person, let alone person, but even on something like this? I don't know. Longer than I want Hollywood to know that I am in total. It's been a while. Yeah, it's probably been like uh, 15 years. I mean, is it maybe longer? I was estimating at a a short end. Maybe. Do I need Botox yet? I don't know. No, not at all. I was just going to say you look terrific. Mm. For somebody as long as, uh, as much as I've known you for as long as I have, you look terrific. <laughs> backlighting, backlighting. Well, all. yeah, your hair yeah. looks good. Your, your, your complexion looks good. I talk about this all the time when I'm, uh, no matter who it is, women, <laughs> men, it doesn't, you know, if you, you backlog any of the podcast, uh, I always talk about people's complexion. It's very important. Oh, I'm very, very impressed when people moisturize. <laughs> <laughs> I did moisturize for you, Dave. I did. I appreciate that. Well, let me just say, I have. I was so excited about it. I was just talking about this earlier. I'm so excited about today. You know, when I think about who to get for the guest for my monthly video uh, podcast, I'm always like, well, who can I get that's interesting video-wise? And so Susie and I kind of reconnected, I guess. I mean, we've always been connected. But when I was opening for Gilbert last week, um, I saw that you were there. You just you signed on to watch the show, which was surprising. I don't know why. Uh, 
It shouldn't be surprising for two reasons. Number one, yeah, what love are Gilbert. The only time I ever uh, tried to hitchhike was to get to a Gilbert Gottfried show on really? Long Island when I was a teenager, <laughs> uh, before I could drive. And anyway, I eventually got there and they sat me at a table at a bachelorette party table. Oh, no. And these bachelorettes were so pissed off to have some like nerd girl who they knew was underage, even if the club didn't care because I had boobs. And they were like, we're out for a good time. And we got this nerd girl sitting with us. And he did great. He was fantastic. Yeah, I would have been pissed off at that too, by the way, if I was at the bachelor party. Meanwhile, are you talking about governors? Yes, of course. Yeah, well, those people, those people that go there, I mean, they're usually kind of gross. Uh, They were. It's a great club. But the people that I've seen there are, terrifyingly scary sometimes and the kind of people that would not care for a girl like you being at their table it is completely gross i mean is that the club that seinfeld famously said monkeys throwing shit i can't remember i think that was stand-up new york oh that was stand-up and he was correct about that okay i thought it was maybe governors but it was like that anyway but then uh yeah i was told about the show and i didn't know you were one of the warm-ups and that was just like a super special bonus yeah, so when I saw you, I direct messaged you from the thing, and it was really exciting. And then I don't even know how I found out about how you found out about this other stuff. But yeah, so anyway, Susie is a living legend in New York City comedy folklore. She used to run this unbelievable place called Ye Old Triple Inn, which was located on 54th Street between 7th and 8th, right? Not eighth and ninth, seventh and eighth, seventh and eighth. Well, right, yeah, to Broadway and eighth. But Broadway you need eighth. to be clear about what generation I was because I brought back comedy to the triple in 1997, right? And I ran it for almost seven years. Wow! But there's a whole generation before me, and uh, they were doing comedy starting in the. Well, forever, but definitely in the 70s. And That's Freddie the part I did not know, especially when you have told me what we're going to talk about in a second, which I can't even tell you how excited I am about, which is why this is a really important video piece of the uh, thing. This is where my uh, Patreon subscribers get the video portion. Right, right, right. We're going to have these little cards. But yes, I didn't realize it had started before you. I thought you started. Com- well, you did. You bought it back. It was mostly I- music, right? I brought it back. It wasn't mostly music. It's just that Yield Triple In, starting in the 70s, did a showcase. And the showcase was comedians, singers, anybody who would get up on this tiny little platform in a dive bar. And uh, they had a piano, I guess, in the 70s and 80s, an actual piano. And the owner of the bar love performers and he made a place for them. And famously Freddie Prince was the host in the seventies. He started at age 16 and everybody who was everybody did the triple. Everybody who was nobody did the triple and everybody who was everybody did the triple. And so I knew about the history of the place, but the history is that once you got to the late eighties and even early nineties, it was so bad. It was renowned for being, do you have dogs? Terrible. I have a dog. Oh, okay. I can hear it. That's why I was. <laughs> I I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I was wondering what that was. Sorry. Go ahead. I didn't mean. To I am. Know. Yeah. Sorry. Dog. I heard the dog. Where I'm like, there's somebody in your house. It's a ghost. It's a ghost, and it's a dog. It's a dog ghost. Dave. 
which is more valuable. So go, you were on the eighties and I'm sorry I interrupted you. No. Okay. So, so I being so into the history of stand up comedy and reading everything I could about stand up comedy when I was too much of a pussy to perform, uh, had known about the triple N. And when I was a PA at comedy central in 1996, I went to yield triple N and I said, Hey, you know, I know you did a show. I'd love to do a show here. And the own the owner at the time was the son of the owner. He's like, look, my dad would love that, but I got to tell you, it got really bad. Like the performers' lives were in danger. Like they, uh, the comedians were terrible, and the cops were threatening to shoot them. Like the cops who drank there. <laughs> right, right. And I was. It wasn't an easy place to play, it, even while you were governoring it you know oh no it was hard under me it was harder before that like i got to the point after a few years where it was a great show but it took a few years and even then it wasn't always easy yeah even then but um so long story short yeah i did it for all those years and yeah all the people who did my shows so many of them were nobodies and now they are very big somebodies but the owner of the triple n gave me this file cabinet that his dad had, I'm going to try to take out one of the files. See this rusty, this is just one rusty file. Like a card and, catalog, like a library card catalog. I'm explaining to the people that only have the audio version. Yes, it's a li- rusty library card catalog. And the owners um, would keep a card on every performer <laughs> who did the show in the 70s and 80s, and I think up to 1990. Um And he gave it to me and I was like, this is a crazy trove, especially now with Google, where I just found a guy tonight who was in a couple of blaxploitation films who you've never heard of. And I looked him up Um, and and not only do you have who performed there, but the owner of the triple would leave notes on what he as a non-performer, I guess he sang when he was in world war two, like he liked to sing on his guitar, but this guy was just a bar owner. He had no entertainment like background and he would leave notes on people's cards. Like yeah, he raided all of our friends, <laughs> all of your friends. I found Gilbert Gottfried's card. This is great. Right. And that's how we kind of reconnected. I'm like, look at this. I found Gilbert's card from the seventies. I think some of them have dates. Some don't. Here's a guy I couldn't find on, um, I don't mind saying his name because there was no evidence that he ever lived um, on Google, but he just gets a note. Uh, Jeff Goddard, strange, very strange. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine being the performer who gets strange, very strange. Let me, just this evening, I found Jason Alexander's card. Oh my God. Let me see that singer manager available for paid gigs only. And then he put the, the real thing. Yes. With, the underline, which you've told me, the underline means it's serious, yes. It means you're really good. So, like, wow. I found Singer. some. Words. How about that, right? How crazy. I found some that are better than yes, not many. But if you have an underline under yes, you're amazing. Right. You're and, amazing. and he was amazing. He turned out to be an amazing Broadway star. And I'd <laughs> seen him in a couple of Broadway shows. Jason Alexander was a big star before Seinfeld as a Broadway performer, which is so strange when you see him and look at him and see what he does. You're, you're not thinking this guy's a magical singer and dancer. <laughs> no. And maybe Mullally's in the file and she got that a yes sense. with wow. an underline, but you were asking for David tells card. Well, I, I, I was just asking for the comedians yeah. we know, but when I found out you had a tells, yes. 
I found out, I found David Tell's card and it's great because there are a couple notes on it. Oh my God, that's great. David Tell, fair. He only gets fair, but on 10 (laughs) 2, needs work. Try again. There's three different times. This is great. But what I love is that David Tell kept coming back. No delivery, needs work, try again. Ultimately gets a, eh, he's fair. That is fantastic. Fantastic! I must have that card for my collection. Uh, I guess I, I will I mean, send. Yeah, you. send me the the picture. I'm going to post it. I'm going to send. I'll send it to him. But There's like, nothing better than sending these people like we did with Rich Voss. Uh, the other, I sent it to his wife. I sent it to Jim Norton and Jim Florentine because because he's good now, so it's okay. You know, he's made exactly. it. It's, you know, it's funny. It's okay. these, people, right. these people were super young. Did he right, say right. when he thinks he was performing there? Who, Rich Voss? Yeah. No, I didn't talk to him. I only talked to his wife, and she loved the card, and she didn't mention anything else. I'm assuming uh, when we're talking about Voss and Attell, it would be the very early 90s, late 80s. Yeah, it had. To, I think it was the 80s. So I found Mike Rowe, and I was like, could it be that Mike Rowe? He got a big yes. It, it was because, as you can see, he put down the improv as his address. Oh, my God. Is that the improv? Yeah, so that's... No way. Yeah, I think... Oh, no, maybe that's where he lived. I guess he lived next door to there. But yeah, that is the Mike Rowe from the improv. Yeah, and he just brought out in 2021 a book about his beginnings in comedy. I just saw that today. He did? He did. There's a and new you're sure you're out. not talking about the Mike Rowe that has that A&E show where he just does uh, dirty jobs or something, right? <laughs> no, I yeah, don't no, think sure so. Not. I think this is Mike Rowe, if you don't guy. know, is uh, a guy that really kind of started comedy at the comedy cellar in many ways uh him and our our friend mark cohen who we've had on the uh comedy cellar nightly show they used to perform together and he has been a legendary at this point animated cartoon writer for family guy and uh, what's the other uh simpsons uh matt gronig uh futurama yep and he's a uh a genius in comedy writing and at that time he was performing I think it's him. Well, no, no, it's definitely him. Yeah. What's also interesting is at the back of the file, you get these people who get things like, um, here's a guy, he went by the name Richie Rich. and Oh, um, I remember that guy. He got a needs work, and then he got uh, not funny, and then he got uh, gave... Gave Peter and Lou a hard time. <laughs> those are the bartenders. Gave Attitude. Peter and Lou. Never. Meaning never have him back. He gave the bartenders a hard time. I remember that guy, Richie Rich. I guess I remember him because, you know, I was a big fan of Richie Rich comics. And then I remember there was a comic named Richie Rich, who I think I could do research on and find out through my friends who he was. But that's you know, like I could call Mike Rowe later and say, do you remember Richie Rich? You would know so many people in here that I don't know. I did find Paul Mercurio. Oh, my God. <laughs> what and it says... It says yes, but try again. Yeah, that's pretty much it. that's pretty much what I think what anybody would say about Paul Mercurio. <laughs> yes, but try again. That makes sense. Paul Mercurio, folks, if you don't know, he uh, has been a couple of my Godfather shows at the Cellar and stuff, and he warms up the Stephen Colbert show now. So he's done well for himself. He's done but well, he, but he's definitely one of those guys. He's good, but try again. He tried again. <laughs> He yeah. tried again. Um, and then there are people that you're like, who is this guy got great. Nobody gets great. And it's from 1989. And he had a stage name. He went by the name Bleak House. 
There's no, it's obviously someone who was going by some crazy stage name called Bleak House. Get it? Bleak House. And he probably did a character. Wait, do I get it? Bleak House? Like the book Bleak House? I have no idea what that is. Oh. That's why I didn't understand it. I'm not as smart as you are, Susie. That's okay. But obviously this was someone doing a character. Now, here's the thing about the triple N. I've been trying to find, I have, look, I have a full-time job. I... I have not gone through all of these. I've tried to find Albrecht, Chris Albrecht and Andy Kaufman because they're the guy who used to run HBO, who then like choked his girlfriend and HBO. Oh no, not choked his girlfriend, choked someone at HBO. And then HBO paid $400,000. He used to run comedy at HBO and Albrecht's daughter is now a big YouTube influencer. He, he used to perform at the triple and he was interviewed saying he was the only act ever kicked off the stage for obscenity when he performed, uh, with Andy Kaufman. Really? But you can't find the card. Andy well, Kaufman's I, card. I haven't had time to like go through every card yet. No, sure. Of course. And where, well, when did you get this treasure, treasure trove of greatness? It's terrible. I got it like a year ago. Oh, just a year ago. Okay. And I only went through it. Well, like, I didn't even know you had a, do, you're not still working at comedy central. Are you? No, my God. No, 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 no. That was years ago. I work for a, it's too weird. I work for a French uh, tech company, a startup. Do you speak French? Uh, yes, badly. But I don't need to speak French for my job. I need to speak English. Well, let me just tell everybody, uh, before you pull out a couple more cards, about the triple N and what it meant to so many people, at least in my generation or our generation, is that it was just, a, she, Susie booked the shows on Fridays and Saturdays. And back in the day, you couldn't play on a Friday or Saturday unless you were kind of established. So the fact that Susie had uh, a show, I'm, I'm telling my uh, listeners, the fact that Susie had a show on Fridays and Saturdays made us little folk very happy that we had a place to play. And even though Tuesday. it was... What'd you say? I also did Tuesdays for a okay. while, but yeah. But um, the f- again, even though it was a very tough room, it certainly uh, made you stronger. And it was a wonderful camaraderie for those of us who just wanted to have a good time because we could drink and eat and just enjoy each other's company and know, uh, understand the madness and how crazy it was and pretty much say this is why I got into comedy for nights like this. This is why I moved to New York. And if I can just add on, and this is going to come up in a couple of weeks, my friend and I just started doing a Billy Joel podcast. And if you remember, I don't know if you remember, you were kind enough to have me and Sarah Silverman on stage one time. And we did code of silence together. And that was one night. I also performed honesty i did all billy joel songs there in fact i believe every saint patrick's day you would let me sing two billy joel songs which is so odd on saint patrick's day but then danny vermont would play the piano and we'd sing two billy joel songs and the next year i sang and i brought on all my college buddies and we did the billy joel uh goodnight saigon and we all got on stage and sang and we would all go down together it was the best And then Danny would always end with the Hill Street Blues theme at the end. Yeah, but that was probably before my era, Dave. That's impossible. It's not impossible. How could it be before your era? Why would I know about the Triple N until you were there? 
Because you probably did the show in the late 80s, early 90s. Is that possible? No, it would have to be the time you said. All right. Okay. <laughs> I mean, what happened? Who was running it in the mid 90s? You said there was no show. It probably ended in 1993. This was after that. Okay. Okay. If it was I mean, after I that. I only knew about the Triple N because of you. Okay. If you only knew about the Triple N, it was because of me. I, I, I yeah. Okay. Then, then that's definitely what happened. Yeah, it was the, the late 90s, the late okay. 90s. Yes, yes. And when I brought it back, just so you know, like nobody wanted to do it. Nobody. The reason I did my show, right, is because I hated bringer shows. I thought bringer shows. Yeah, they're I awful. still do. I think it poisons comedy. I think you get these suburbanites who would come to the city and be like, oh, I went to Caroline's. They weren't very good. I agree with like, you. It sucked. And it sucked for people who needed a place to get better. So the reason I started my show is that nobody had to bring anybody and nobody had to pay a dime to get on stage. That's right. And everybody got a free drink, even if I couldn't. And I paid my musicians. I didn't pay the comics. Um, I would pay. That's the thing. There were breaks with uh, music musicians playing, you know, in between the comedy shows. It was super fun. find somebody in the subway before my brother agreed to do it. Cause my brother, Adam, who's a comedy writer and wrote many years. For yes. Uh, and let me just tell the people that Susie's brother, Adam is in turbocharge. He plays Roy Thomas Baker. We have a lot of fans of turbocharge in here, my uh, cars movie. And now he, and uh, at the time he was writing for uh, Bill Maher, but he doesn't anymore. Right. No, he doesn't anymore. I don't know what the turbocharges thing again. Yeah, you wouldn't know, but Adam knows. and he was excellent in the role okay okay and he does an amazing uh, british accent my brother was doing my brother was doing improv and he just looked down on stand-up and he like you're performing in a dive he wasn't interested at first then when he saw it was a lot of fun he joined me and became part of the band but i would just find way cool that your brother was part of the band it was surprised we were like wait that's susie's brother like wait he's like an accomplished musician what the hell's going on with that family yeah, they so he smart. Was he was great. <laughs> Everybody was great. But the first on my first ever show, because I couldn't find a comedian who was an actual comedian to do my show because they remembered how tough it was. Lewis Black agreed to do my first show because we were pals from doing the West Bank and stuff like that. I just had the uh, or I'm having the owner of the West Bank. I just interviewed him on my show uh, next week. Uh, Steve Olson. Oh, he's so great. Yeah, we just talked today. Oh, I'm trying to do something with the downstairs, you know, once he gets it open again. I wish you send all my love. He was so great. And so Lewis did my first show. Uh, The Sklar brothers did my first show. We don't mention Um, them on this show. Go on. (laughs) Quite a few. uh, Yeah, I'm not talking about my I didn't even bring my calendars of everybody who did my first show, but everybody who did my first show went on to great fame. And because of that, then other people agreed to do it. Um, but here's the one, uh, Jay Moore. Oh. Now, the funny thing about Jay Moore, he just got okay. Right. In, in 1988, we're probably giving his parents a dress here because he was a Yeah, yeah he, he used to live uh, upstate New Jersey, like uh, close to the New York border. On the west, he used to live in western Jersey, Nutley. Yes, and he used to come in with Adam Spiegelman to do the showcase in the 80s. Our, our pal Adam Spiegelman. I don't know Adam Spiegelman. What? Sorry. Uh, TV producer, amazing, aka Spiegs. But I love Jay Moore as a teenager. Put in places I've killed. 
Main Street Comedy Cafe, Bloomfield College, Mostly Magic, and Something Different. Well, the but- reason why I like Jay is because he's always been conceited. And, uh, you know, I'm, I am a big, this is the reason I still love Kevin Brennan. You know, if you're one way when I met you and you're still that way, I have no problems with it. Yeah. Jay yeah. Moore always well, knew he was the best. <laughs> Jay said places I've killed when he Isn't was that funny? probably great. 17 years old. Yep. Everyone. I know you're just skimming through and I get it, but I was just so excited because it's just such a funny thing. And I was hoping we'd have like a couple more that the two of us knew together. Then, then what? I was hoping we'd have a couple more that the two of us, you know, totally knew uh, together and that, you know, they, it, you know, I was, I was hoping for a couple of gems that you'd have read. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, due to the work, I did not um, have time to pull the, pull the gems. You didn't do uh, any work before this uh, podcast, did you? <laughs> so, yeah, I think you and I need to go through this, pull the best cards. And, you know, I, I yeah. spent my load with finding a talent, Jason Alexander, but yeah, the reason I didn't go. Yeah, thanks it, for starting. Thanks for just only concentrating on the A's. <laughs> no, I was concentrating well, it's kind of funny, on, right? I mean, it's actually, don't holding, worry. I went through all the A's holding down a job. In, I gotcha. In I know. I, know. It's, I, I didn't, I, I guess I thought maybe you'd go through with a couple of like, like I said, like five names that you thought of that, you know, it might have pulled out or something. So it's uh, okay. I, that's okay. You're disappointed. Well, I'm a little uh, disappointed. I thought there was going to be, like you said, a treasure trove of. Uh, there is a treasure trove. I mean, you had mentioned Andy Kaufman and all these people, and I'm getting nothing. You are not getting nothing. It's the worst podcast I've ever done. It was supposed to be the greatest. <laughs> you know what? I, I kind of enjoy it. So The no. only good thing about it is it's nice to see you. All right, forget it then. No, they're in alphabetical order. Yeah, but just by L's and stuff, so it's going to take a long time to go through. This isn't a very exciting podcast for people that pay for it. How many people pay for it? Three. Really? That's great. I'm sorry to the three people. That really, those three people should be highly angry at me. Like, I could understand that. I mean, you're not even working with me when I'm talking about how great the triple in is. And you're like, well, I wasn't there. I don't know. I mean, you, you give me nothing to work with here. I give you nothing to work with. Well, I, I, I'm i trying know. to praise you and tell you how important the triple in is. You're like, nah, I wasn't there then. No, was it, it was important. I'm it was important. How great Felber is and I mean, you get nothing. Think of the people who are there, right? So Brian Tucker is current, like one of the current head writers at SNL. He was one of my nobody friend comics, Eric Drysdale, who's won so many Emmy awards. He could fill a room Um, like everybody, everybody who's anybody who was in New York at the time was doing my triple show. I know. That's what I'm trying to tell you. That's what I'm trying to tell everybody. It was a very important room. It was really fun and it was a a wonderful experience. And you gave a lot of people a, a chance. Yeah, there were. I would give anybody a chance, and I'd give anybody a second chance. Right? You would, and like I said, you used to let me sing there. I mean, think about that. <laughs> of course, I, I come on. Of course, I think I did six Billy Joel songs by my count. But the fact that I actually went into a bar like that on St. Patrick's Day, or at least the Friday or Saturday that coincided with the St. Patrick's Day, was a goddamn miracle. Because normally I never go out on St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, and we we famously had Kid Rock do my show, but that was by accident. Um, and Larry David, who chickened out. You heard about the Larry David thing? 
No, I haven't heard of anything. Okay. Please share these little tidbits. Let me tell you, the Larry David thing is from, I mean, he performed there back in the day. I have not found his card. Just like I found Jason Alexander's card. But Larry David, HBO called and said, he's filming a special. Can he do some time at your show? Because he used to do the triple. I said, yeah, of course he can. Um, what are you kidding? Like, I I put up Dave Juskow. Of course I'll put him up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Ah, that was such a zinger. I got you right there. Um, and so the the crew was up in the balcony because the triple had a balcony and he was in the room and he was back there with Caroline Ray, I think, in the back. And he was waiting to go up in my show. And then right before he was supposed to go on, he chickened out and he walked out. He chickened out and he walked out. That's great. Yeah, that makes and, so much sense. Listen, that place was rough. Jeff, Jeff Garland was there. Jeff Garland hears that his buddy has chickened out and he's not going to perform. Uh, goes up and he does like 45, 50 minutes like he just wouldn't stop. And all the other comedians who were waiting to go on were like, get this guy off the stage. <laughs> like it was torture. He was just like, I'm going to get a film set out of this. So yeah. I'm just going to go. Yeah, I've heard he, he was uh, like that many times. I remember there was a couple times where people were just got off when they just wouldn't get off stage, and you were very polite about it, very polite. Although I had also seen you go to town on people that uh, crossed you, so that's Come what on. made you so, so much fun, you know, and you were just a good time. When did I go to town? I think I only kicked one person ever off the stage, it, and I don't want to say who it was. But his, he was so bad. I kept putting him up, and he was so bad. And he was so, so bad. I, I'm, I'm at terms with that now, so you can just say it was me. It's all it right. It was not you. It's it all was right, not, Susie. My but audience understands. He did this joke about dog balls, and it was terrible. <laughs> and and it was remember. just so bad, and the crowd was hating him. And then I, I had told him, look, I'm going to put you up again, but you can't do the dog balls material again. It's just you can't. So polite he, of you to put him up again, though. He launches into the dog balls material, and I think I was having a hormonal flare, and I just was like, nope, nope, I said no dog balls material. Get off, get off the stage. And I literally did that, like live on stage, kicked him off the stage. Why, why did you um, end in 2007? Is because the place closed or... No, no, I ended, I ended in 2003, I guess, I oh. mean, look, or 2004. Uh, I guess I was thinking seven years. That's why. Sorry. One of the years I end, one of the reasons I ended, believe it or not, is because Adam, you know, my brother was my sidekick and he started slagging off George W. Bush, I think. And he, he, it got political and and the owner's daughter was pissed off that we were criticizing Republicans. And they said, uh, you got to stop doing political material. Tell your brother to stop doing political material. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, you've got to be kidding me. And then I was like, I'm not doing it anymore. Like, if we couldn't have free speech with the freaking triple in. Yeah, it's kind of odd. And now it's gone. Things. I mean, sometimes I get upset when people are talking that way about the current president it does make me upset for some reason but uh like you say it's a comedy show and that's the way it's supposed to be and everybody has their own opinion yeah. a and few years later doing a comedy show if you can't uh, say what's on your mind yeah a few years later the owner sold the building made a mint 
and okay. they it's completely gone and it became um yeah, what did luxury it become? condos oh really that's why i was looking on that block and i'm like i don't even see where it was located because i I think i go to a place called characters now which is on that same block it's a bar and i thought maybe that's what it was but it the structure doesn't look correct no so no no. it was almost directly down almost directly across from studio 54 um you know uh i guess back in the day it was the first yield triple in was actually on the other side of eighth Avenue. The one where supposedly the oh. Beatles hit out during their Ed Sullivan performance. They hit legend has it. They hit out at the triple in, but that one was on eighth Avenue by 54th. But um, this one, yeah, it was um, right by studio 54. They sold the building for, for this family for mint. And uh, it's just, it's gone, completely gone. Yeah. Along with a lot of other classic structures in New York that kind of we made our bones in, but uh, it was a special place. It was fun. I don't know how you were there every weekend, you know, like, I don't know how you managed it. You know, I, I, I loved going there once a month, (laughs) you know, but I I think I should have realized, first of all, I loved it. First of all, second of all, I got better. I could host anywhere. I, I hosted in the, like, in Washington, D.C. for the women's, you know, March, A. A. Whitney Brown was like, they seem to like you a little better. You do it. (laughs) And I I mean, he's amazing. I love him dearly. But like I hosted with a with an anti-abortion van with a bloody fetus going around me and like singing and like having no problem, because if you could perform at the triple N, like you can perform anywhere. It doesn't mean you're good, but you can perform anywhere. And the place was super special. Yeah, it was great. And it was all because of you. You made it special. And I really appreciate it. I'll have what you're drinking. But I promise. (laughs) It's so nice to see you. I mean, it's, uh, it was great seeing at the Gilbert thing. And it's so nice that I'm just glad we're talking again. You've always been a nice person. Why are you not? I mean, I'm not that into virtual shows. I went because I love Gilbert. I went because, uh, Emily Gillette like helped me to the fact that it was happening. What? Why aren't you doing more virtual shows? Because I hate virtual shows, but you did a great job. Thank you. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't really know about them. I just, I, I, I don't. That was the first virtual show I had ever done. So I, I don't know. You know, I don't really do that. I mean, I started doing more stand up in the past year, and then everything shut down. Like Susie, I. Actually, finally, after all these years, had a 25-minute set. I was opening for Rachel Feinstein in September. Finally had a 25-minute set that I could guest, you know, I could feature at a club after all these years. You know, I only had a a, a cozy five, seven minutes. And then everything shut down (laughs) when I finally got to the where I needed to be. So I have to try again. And that is not fair. I was never that much into stand-up comedy. Remember, I came for the fun and the 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 good time at your club not so much to go on and you were kind enough to be like do you want to go on a lot and i would be like but here's the difference here's here is where can i just pay you a compliment i think that you do yourself down in that there are a lot of comedians who didn't care what the audience thought and you were always someone who wanted the audience to have a good time like no doubt and we're always original so that I don't care what you were doing you were not just coming up and rehashing the same thing again and again which when I finally got regulars was really they don't want to see I mean comedians need a workout room they're going to do their shit again and again 
but that kind of is not good for a room where people are actually, have actually gotten to the point where they're coming back and they just want someone to enjoy. And you always gave them that. Oh, look, I found Mike Royce's card. Oh, what does he it say? Okay. Oh, we got an okay. Well, that's exactly how you'd explain Mike Royce. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you'd explain a stand up. He's the sweetest man. Oh my God. He's so kind and so nice. And we're still friendly. Uh, you know, he was uh, the showrunner of One Day at a Time, the Latino version. Yes, I know. Yeah, so he's great. And yeah, he started. You gave a lot of people their start. And like I said, just a lot of people a, a place well, to play Royce, on a Friday and Saturday when it wasn't that easy to do. Here's why Royce was so great. Royce did my Yield Triple N show, but that card is from when he did the Triple N in the olden days. Yeah, the 80s. I remember because he was living in Staten Island. I And so... That's a comedian, a comedian who stage. had done Ye Olden Days and then agreed to do my show was super special. Um, Colin Quinn promised me he would do the triple. And he came at l- a few times and he was wearing a hoodie and he was at the bar and then he didn't have the balls and he walked out. He never actually did my show. That happened a lot because, again, you would see what the crowd was like. And, again, if you're established, even like Colin, it's too risky to that the audience might hate you and stuff. I, I could understand that completely. There was a lot of times you'd be sitting there going, like, I can't go on with these people. They're out of control. And I'm not strong enough to hold them back. Really? You know, yeah, who I mean, only a tell could seven? really what? Uh, believe it or not, Todd Barry was like the audience whisperer at my show. Todd Barry would get up notoriously. He, when I was at Comedy Central, he lost out on a lot of corporate gigs because he was low energy, right? Well, yeah. I would be the in the meetings and they would be like, no, get this pre daily show, John Stewart. They'd be like, get John Stewart. He's high energy. Do not do put Todd Barry. Well, John Stewart's not even high energy, but Todd Barry is so low energy. Yeah. He's anti energy. But yeah. Todd Barry would do my show and it didn't matter how insane the crowd was that night he could just like mesmerize them like a snake charmer it was crazy and even the cooks would come out to watch him that's awesome yeah he's still like that too he's so funny and uh yeah he's one of my favorites actually yeah i go to to see it's one of those things like you wouldn't expect that person you know like that energy could could get it but that's when you know that somebody is a pro you know, and Todd Barry is a definite professional, no matter what he is like in person or his energy or whatever. He's a professional stand-up comedian, and I'm always in awe of people like that. In fact, I was just thinking, I was just listening to Mark Maron's podcast because he had Eddie Murphy on, and I was just thinking about Mark. And I remember when I was doing my show at Catch a Rising Star, I would have him close sometimes, and people were like, you know, he's such an asshole. He said these mean things to me, and I'm like. Yeah, but he's a real pro. <laughs> you know, he knows how to close a show. He's a professional stand-up comedian. I didn't know I wanted to be a mom, so I was kind of like, I think that's why I was doing this show. Well, that makes a lot of sense. You were very mother-like, even though I don't think anybody thought of you that way, but there was some sort of connection in the fact that you were taking care of all these people that needed uh, to fit in. Yes, that I, is very motherly in many ways. I should have guessed, you know, performing for drunk audiences is very much like entertaining toddlers i just didn't know it at the time yeah well, they're amused people, by the same things you made a lot of people very happy and you're also just a, a wonderful human being you were a sweet person to know and you are you know that's yeah. what 
what can you ask for better than somebody who used to book comedians as somebody as special as you? I, I don't actually think there is a booker of clubs that's like you. I've never met anybody because you'd ha- you, you had no problem with women. You had no problem with weirdos. And uh, all the bookers I know now that are even women have trouble booking women because yeah. they want male attention. And you, I know. you liked boys, but you weren't that way. No, I mean, I think it takes confidence and I think it takes sort of like I was only in it to enjoy it. I was only in it to watch people getting better. Yeah. And it's very clear. You were actually trying to help and you weren't right. And uh, a lot of the bookers I know that are women, which is so strange, still only book boys because they want the the male attention, which oh is God, in this day and that, age. Can you what? even believe it? Did you ever do Hamburger Harry's? That was the first place sure, I ever that's did a- Gladys, who used to do that, right? Gladys hated women, and she just See? would put up. Alex Sulkin uh, was her favorite. And yes, I know. I just had him on the show uh, a couple of weeks ago. But the the weird part is, Susie, is that um, back then everybody hated women. You know, like uh, it, it just wasn't a thing until people like Sarah came out, and you know they got more. And now it's like you're also, you know, everybody is good with women comics. They're it, they're accepted. Remember how it was. You were right. there in the late 80s, early 90s. I mean, just people hated female comics. Men hated them. Women didn't care for them. And then, yeah. you know, that all morphed into what we do like now. You know, yeah. women are more famous than the men. Uh, but, yeah, for some reason, Gladys is old school, so it makes sense. But for some reason, you have these new wave of comedy bookers who are women, and they still don't want women comics on. It's very mm-hmm. odd. It's so crazy, but it buys into. Oh, Marina Fl- Franklin used to do my era of the triple show, and she's terrific. She's terrific. There, I mean, but that's true. But again, I had many jobs in television, and I was honestly in meetings where they'd be like, "Okay, how can we create a show and get less women to watch?" I kid you not, because. <laughs> I mean, it's the whole reason that court TV became true TV because they were like, okay, we have a bajillion women watching us and we want men watching us. Like one 17-year-old man, because the the idea is that it was worth more to advertisers. One 17-year-old guy in his underpants was worth about 100 middle-aged women. Like they just wanted men. And I think there's still It does make sense. Uh, Men do make uh, instant purchases or... You know, they. I guess they'll go out and they'll buy the late. But now we realize, with Amazon and all the stuff you can order online, everybody makes those purchases. So everybody does. Or if you know, if there's a couple. But Comedy Central. The reason why I never cared for them was because that channel was so awful because it was so male oriented. I mean, if you have Penn Jillette as your announcer, it's oh, just very male. It. No, no, no. I'm just saying, but it was very male oriented. Okay. We like teenage boys to watch and that's how the channel was maybe i'm a man so you know my first job was writing and producing the voiceovers for pen gillette i'm not saying that was a bad thing i'm saying it was just very male oriented and it wasn't it wasn't a channel for women do you know why they dumped him no i actually have no idea he was terrific he was the voice of the the network voice of comedy central for years i was so happy because i was such a fangirl of his so when i landed at comedy central and they're like you're going to be writing and producing for pen i was like this is dream come true because as a teenager i loved him and i was a nerd yes but when we got a female president at comedy central she said 
that Penn Gillette's voice was scaring away female viewers. It, it makes sense. I, I mean, I believe her 100%. She's absolutely right. You think that's true? I do. I absolutely believe it. And I love Penn, too. I think he's terrific. And, uh, and it was a great idea for the voice. I remember when they told me he was hired. I'm like, that's brilliant. But it was definitely, when you're talking about this now, definitely a teenage boy-oriented network. And this president was right. This is after Herzog left? Uh, well, no, it was Herzog and then Eileen Katz, who then became a cheesemonger. Um, but it was Eileen Katz who said he's scaring people. Maybe she was the head of programming at the time or something. Right. But yeah, it's true. You knew Herzog. Look at you dropping the name. What is he oh. doing now? Well, he was actually working on. Uh, sorry, I usually turn my phone into airplane mode. I must have forgotten. He's working on. He was working on. What was it called? QB? Because we got in touch about a couple months no. ago. Yeah, he, I don't think it worked out. Yeah. Quibi, Quibi. Quibi, yeah, something like that. He was doing that? Yeah. Well, yeah. he probably made some good bank doing that. I'm sure he did. I don't think that station is working out very well or whatever it's called, that service. But uh, yeah, listen, that guy's always done well for himself. He's just, I don't think he has to work anymore, probably at this point. He's had so many high profile jobs. But he's always a nice guy. Yeah, don't you love those people who don't have to work but still get the jobs? What Not the really, heck? No, I don't. Oh, wait, wait. I found one. You're going to love this. We're going to end with this. Are you ready? Yes. Holy shit. I never Please found this one before. Adam Sandler. Ooh, good fair. <laughs> fair. That's probably his when he was at NYU. 85? 33 Washington Street. Yeah, he was at NYU. Yeah, that's right. NYU. Yeah. See, look at that. You're giving me the context. So, uh, yeah, well, that's the know. thing. I could give you context on all that stuff. You give me the ones I know. That's great. That's a great ending one. Right on. We'll send that to him. That's the right thing. On. I can send it to all these people. They'll probably love it and frame it in their houses. I will, I will send you a screenshot. As for now, I'm, well, I no, mean, yeah, I'll don't send worry you about it. Freddie, I'll come over. I'll, uh, we'll go yeah. through them all. Yes, that would be awesome. I'll take you out for I'll, dinner. We'll have I'll a good make night. you. I'll make you something to eat. I'm an amazing. But that's even cook. better. I like that too. <laughs> but it'd be my pleasure to take you. I usually always take out all my podcast guests, but uh, since the pandemic, I haven't been able Who gets to. Out? Who gets out, Dave? That's Just my gift for, for doing the show. Thank you for having me. You rule. Well, thank you for doing it. I really appreciate it, and know how busy you are. So uh, nice to see you, as always. It's super nice to see you. Man, I'm a scientist. The Night Fly with Dave Juskow. Well, that was a complete bust. What a disaster. Boy, she wasn't prepared at all. Pretty much told her what we needed to do. Well, whatever. That's all right. Oh, boy. Well, sometimes you win, sometimes you I, I got to tell you, I was so excited to have her on. I'm like, boy, this is going to be a great guest. People are going to love it. But I guess sometimes it doesn't work out. And then what do you do? That's all I had planned today. I was like, who should I get as my video guest? You know, I was trying to get a, an interesting guest with video. You know, she had cards and stuff. I thought it would be interesting. But sometimes I guess it doesn't work out. And then what are you going to do? You know, I can't, uh, I can't just, I guess I could wait till next week to do the video and stuff. But I already had a plan. And I don't want to wait till the end of the month. I want to do it this month. And is it even important? Does anyone really care? I don't know. Well, you know, I got to offer something for the Patreon. And sometimes the video is good. So, Listen, I reorganized, and I'm going to show you some stuff that'll make the video portion of the podcast or video cast, I can't say without doing that, worthwhile. 
So that's, uh, I, I had to, uh, to reassess and reorganize. Not that Susie isn't a doll. And when we get those cards together, it'll be fantastic. But let's face it, I'm going to have to edit the shit out of that. <laughs> but uh, whatever. I was going to, it's funny because the other person, ironically, the other person I was going to ask to have on because we haven't done a full length discussion with him was Alex Holkin, the showrunner a family guy and the writer of Ted, because he's always been so kind. And he's like, yeah, I'd love, why haven't you ever asked me to be in your podcast? I'm like, It's like one of those things, it's like Steven Spielberg calling and saying like, how come you've never asked me to do your podcast before? No, it's that Larry Sanders episode where Janine Garofalo is making him call Jeff Goldblum and asking him to be on because they need a movie star. And he goes, um, I hate to ask you this. Uh, would you come on? He goes, sure. He goes, well, how come you never done it? You never asked me. Meanwhile, now I can just tell you this. It's only us. Steven Spielberg called Larry Moss. Apparently they speak once a week, you know, with the acting teacher, Larry Moss. Said, I'm looking for a Jewish guy who's in his late 40s. Do you know anybody? And he's like, well, I know a guy. He's a little older than his late 40s. But I know a guy. He's going to recommend me. To, but not, I'm sorry, not Steven Spielberg, Steven Spielbergo, the Mexican counterpart of Steven Spielberg. I'm kidding. No, that's hilarious, though. I thought you would enjoy that. We'll see how that ends. Probably not well. I guess, uh, oh, okay. Well, you know what we'll do is, uh, no, I'll tell you a couple of things first. So on Thursday, I went to, oh, I went to my mom. But right, I was supposed to meet with that lady from the mall. So the mall shows are going to be on. I should have a date by next week. The one we're going to perform these outdoor mall shows. We'll do one and then do a, a stadium tour. I was talking to that woman again who runs the mall single-handedly. And it was so funny. I was talking to her. I love talking to her when she's at work. She's going to let me see where she works on this Thursday coming up. I couldn't be more excited. This woman is like the captain of a ship. It's hilarious. Listen, I'm like, somebody should do a documentary about you because not only you don't understand how fascinating it is listening to you on the phone, taking all these calls for all this stuff. She's like this, I, when I was on the phone, you know, I can hear the other calls and she's like, and maybe I'll try and record it when I'm there on Thursday, because you just have to see it to believe it. And she get in the call like, yes, can you tell me is the Disney playground going to be open? And she's like, no, it won't be open uh, until the, until the state says we can open it again. Okay. And then, uh, you know, I told you about the, the COVID store, which, of course, went out of business because it was a scam operation. And then some other guy came in, I guess, to do some work. And she was like, uh, OK, listen, I'm going to call. Make sure you get the rooftop hatch open and get access to that. And then you're going to need the access forms. Like she has all the information, like the construction workers come down. Then somebody came down. Hey, I'm doing a new orange store that's opening April 1st. She goes, well, I run the website, so let's get it going, and we'll put some real site. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. I don't know how many stores there are in the mall. Is there over 200 stores? And she knows each and every one. She When I called her on Thursday, she couldn't meet because she was, like, repainting. This woman is unbelievable. They fired everybody during COVID except for this woman. I know I keep talking about her because I'm fascinated watching her run an entire shopping mall. I don't understand how that's not fun for you guys. I mean, maybe it is. I'm saying it's quite fascinating. So I'm going to go over there Thursday. I'm going to check out this uh, spot, you know, the new location of Just Cows Comedy Club. 
The one with all the crashing photos on the wall. <laughs> so that'll be fun. We'll see how that works. And, you know, the other thing I was thinking of is interesting. I was listening to my friend David Elliott told me that Mark Marin had a really interesting podcast, uh, his WTF podcast, which, of course, he's, I mentioned multiple times. Not on this particular one. But he was mentioning, uh, the, he said Eddie Murphy was the guest, I guess, last week. So I totally wanted to hear that. It was a great interview. Exactly an hour. Totally great. At the beginning, it wasn't so great because Eddie was being like, whatever, I guess. Um, but then it just got better. He got into it. He enjoyed talking to Mark. And like Mark said at the beginning, they mostly talked about stand-up comedy, which was a smart way to talk to Eddie Murphy, who clearly doesn't like doing interviews, even though he's been on a press junket for coming to America too, which is very nice and very smart. You know, you don't want him to just make the movie and then just be like, well, I don't give a crap. But he does give a crap, and I like that. And we all love Eddie Murphy and worship Eddie Murphy. And until we hear otherwise that he's some sort of crazy Governor Cuomo or something, or, or rather Harvey Weinstein, Eddie, Lo Eddie Murphy will be beloved. So it's a really good interview. And, yeah, he... Uh, he talks about coming to America too and a bunch of stuff. And then, and then he had Lorraine Newman on after that. And I really wanted to hear that too, but I'll tell you something. And I, again, I would love to interview any of the original cast members Saturday Night out live, but sometimes, you know, when people do interviews and, and even if they are interesting and she had a lot of interesting things to say about the origins of the groundlings, she apparently invented that. That's where they cast all of Saturday night live since 1975. And she started it. And that's interesting. And it was like, she was like, she was in a comedy group with Craig T. Nelson. You know, who knew that guy was in a sketch group? Coach. Uh, I just thought, I assumed he was just a regular actor, but I guess he was a comedy guy, which makes sense. I guess that's a, he's in the young Sheldon. Now he does comedies. Huh. Anyway, point is, I remember at the beginning, she was talking about her parents and it's funny when you're listening to a podcast guest and, they feel they're telling you about your parents and they're just not interesting at all. I just remember how bored I was. I'm like, oh my God, why do people think their parents are interested? I mean, it, I'm just thinking to myself, if, pe if Mark Maron was interviewing me and he started from the beginning and I told them what my dad did, I would just say, my dad sold bras and girls and my mother was a housewife. That, that's what I'd say. So you better have something really interesting to say. Like your father better have been Harrison Ford you know, you want to hear about Harold Ramis's daughter. And she's like, well, when I was on the set of Ghostbusters, I mean, that's what I'm interested in. So if she's saying he did this or that, which wasn't interesting, I'm like, why? I wonder why people think that's interesting to say. And it's not just her. I mean, it's just other people, too. Like they start with their pet. Well, my dad was when he graduated school. He went to the military base. I, it, it's just, who cares? I mean, unless he had something where he was a, a decorated soldier because he killed Hitler or so, whatever it is, who cares? I mean, if you're on there to talk about your dad, that's a whole other thing. But it's just, I, I, I'm just bored that people think, uh, you know, some of their backstories are interesting. There's only one interesting backstory I know of. And it's called the Dave Juskow backstory, and everybody knows it. And you know it, too. And I'm talking to you, Mr. and Mrs. Front Porch. I'm staring right into the camera right now. Yeah. Well, I thought... 
Oh, yeah. Well, here's a Yeah. So, OK, so here's a great example, actually, before we uh, move on to what I uh, put together today. My sister's birthday came up recently, as you know, the second birthday, uh, second covid like birthday where she could only have a, a couple of people over. But that should be ending soon since Sophia's coming over later. Yeah. She's not vaccinated, though. Yeah, she's young. She don't have it. Anyway, my cleaning lady canceled because she said, Mr. David, I was exposed. <laughs> and she talks exactly like that. I was exposed to someone who had COVID. Now, this is a woman who's had COVID twice during pregnancy. I don't think there's, can you catch COVID three times? Is that even a thing? I guess you can. I guess it's like the flu in the sense that you could catch it three times. Where the fuck is she hanging out? I was exposed to the COVID. I'm getting a rapid test today. It's fun to talk to her like her, like a Consuela from uh, Family Guy. <laughs> no, no. So do you have COVID? Do you, can you come today? No, no, I can. No, you need more pledge. Pledge? I don't even have any wood in the house. Anyway, she was having my sister was having her birthday. And she was having uh, these uh, neighbors over, the, the the ones that I like very much. And she was having one of the, the, the other daughter that I don't care for very much. I don't hate her or anything. It's just she's just loud and, 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 you know, talks too much. And there can only be one of us. And in Beth's house, there's two of us. There's me and her husband. <laughs> so and when he drinks, he's just loud. And I, I can't compete. And so usually I go into the other room and watch TV while they're talking and they don't care. But I guess my sister does care. She doesn't like when I eat and go into the other room and watch TV. I didn't think there would be any problem. I thought she'd prefer it since I usually just say stupid stuff and uh, don't really contribute to the conversation. But the fact of the matter is their conversations are usually boring for me. Maybe they're exciting for people that live in a suburban lifestyle or whatever, and whatever that girl Carly is talking about, who who the hell knows? But it usually ends up going to politics, and I don't like talking about that. And they usually, and, and what I'm saying is, for me, I like talking about comedy, and they never really want to talk about that. And why would they? It's not their problem. So I just assume leaving is a good plan. So I didn't go to her birthday, which was on Sunday, because I. Uh, I just didn't want I didn't like the after dinner factor of her house. It's too suburban for me. They sit on the couch. There's no music on. There's no TV. And they just sit like adults on the couch and talk to each other. And for some reason, I can't handle that. I don't like the adultness of just sitting and chatting after dinner like you see in the movies. (laughs) I don't know. I need something else. Playing video games or just having the music on and drinking, like standing up and talking in the kitchen or something. I prefer that. Like we do at Beth's normal birthdays when she just has her lady friends over and we're just tick and it's a party. But I can't stand the after dinner, sit down on the couch chat. It's just not for me. Yeah, I guess, you know, I, I don't know. I can't describe it. But then I was just thinking, you know, it's like what Sarah said that time, Silverman. When she goes, I can't be friends with people that aren't in comedy anymore. I just can't relate. And maybe that's 
I don't think it's completely happened to me because I can be with normal people, <laughs> civilians as we call them, and have conversations of any type. It's just there is something too where maybe I could sit down and talk about comedy and that kind of stuff, but really I can't. Mostly after I eat and drink, I just want to take a nap. Yet I'm not normally that type of guy, but I guess I'm not used to. You know what the problem is? I don't think I'm used to the suburban lifestyle where I'm in somebody's house. So if I eat and drink, we usually, if we're going to go out, we go out. We're at a place. We're at a bar. We're never in somebody's house. And maybe that's where the issue lies for me. So she was like, I don't care if you come or not. You know, like she, she if, if I didn't want to participate, she didn't want me to come. So that's the way it was. Sorry, I was looking at my notes because I said something about Elon, but I don't remember what it was. I can't read my own writing. That's not good. Basically, that's all I said. We also were talking about, I don't remember how we put it up, but we were talking about going to the diner for dinner. Because she was telling me that one of her friends, they said, oh, our parents always used to take us for the diner for dinner. And then we were talking that I don't think Beth and I have ever been to the diner for dinner. The diner is a breakfast or lunch or late at night. I don't think I've ever been to the diner for dinner. You know, I don't think we've ever said, let's go to the diner for dinner, because especially if you live in Manhattan, you wouldn't even think of going to the diner for dinner. It's just too many places. But even if you live in the suburbs in New Jersey, who would ever think to go to the diner for dinner? I guess on a Saturday, if you went at five, but if you're talking dinner, who goes to a diner at seven o'clock at night on a Saturday? I mean, even if you're going to see a show or do something after, you never go to the diner for dinner. But there must be people there. That's what Beth was saying. Like, she knows these there's Oh, our parents used to take us to the diner for dinner. But even with kids, you don't go to the diner for dinner. But there must be people there. I don't think I've ever been to a diner at 7 o'clock at night. Even on a weekday. You know, I'd prefer to go to like Applebee's or Friday's or something or any other place. It's kind of funny, right? We were just thinking about it. I guess unless you want breakfast for dinner, you wouldn't go to the diner for dinner. That would be the only way you'd go to the diner for dinner. It is funny that they have dinner specials all the time. There must be people that go. And the question would be, even if you're talking about senior citizens, which, by the way, my sister, my mother and I, now my sister's 55. She said I could say it. We all had the senior citizen dinner on Thursday at the diner in Jersey. <laughs> we had to, even though we didn't want to eat that much. I didn't even want to eat that much because, you know, it comes with the soup, salad, dinner, a drink, coffee and dessert. That's a lot of that's a lot of food for somebody over 55, folks. And this time I had the stuffed shells. <laughs> what kind of idiot order stuffed shells in a diner for lunch? <laughs> But that's what they have on the senior citizens menu. You know, my mother got eggplant Parmesan. She said she made a meal out of it for the next two days. And my sister, what did she have? I don't remember. I think she had the liver and onions. I'm joking. No one would eat that. But it was uh, really funny that we were all able to. And we went with Dory and we're like, well, you can't have it. She's like, I don't want it. Well, you can't. Well, good, because I don't want it. Well, you can't have it even if you did want it. Even if you want it, you can't have it. You're not 55. And then she was like, I wish I was 55. No, nobody ever says that. <laughs> Would you say that? I, maybe you'd say it if you were 10 because you always want to be older. I wish I was 55 so I could have the senior citizens dinner. I don't think that's anything anybody's ever going to say. 
Well, better to be 55 than 65 at this point, I suppose. All right, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to share my screen with you guys, and I guess we'll have some fun. And that'll be uh, how we'll do the uh, how we'll make up for the video podcast. Uh, just before I share it, though, I, I will tell you that it's funny. Like I was preparing usually two guests for the video podcast, you know, and talk for about 20 minutes apiece. And then because the last video one I had, uh, I was preparing two guests, but my one guest was, I thought, rather interesting. And they talked for an hour. I didn't have time for the second guest. So I'm like, well, I'll just do one because I really thought we were going to talk for a while. And if we talked for 40 minutes, that's perfect. But (laughs) what are you going to do? So I prepared some other stuff and I'm going to share my screen with you now. And uh, for those of you listening at home that aren't Patreon subscribers, well, you should be. This is going to be exciting stuff or you'll uh, be able to see it in a month. Lame. All right, where should we begin today? All right, I'm going to just start right here. I just, uh, I've said since we're doing the video, remember I told you about that family fair episode, the guy that does the Winnie the Pooh voice? Well, now I can show you how creepy this scene is. If you're watching the video, you'll be able to hear it in the audio, of course. When the guy who plays Winnie the Pooh, I can't even remember his name now, comes to the window of the kid's bedroom. I'm just going to play it for you. Oh, see spot. Oh, see spot, run. Run, See, they're just the kids run. are playing in the bedroom. And here he comes. <laughs> Look at him. He's just, he stops the window thing and then opens the windows. Hi, kids. <laughs> Hi, Mr. Fry. What was doing in school today? We got new school books. Well, that's good. Like the fella says, reading books is the best way to learn all kinds of junk. Someday, maybe we'll be almost as smart as you, Mr. Frack. Well, you just might. We got put in upper first grade. Well, sounds like you went right to the top. Yes, sir. We did. We have, have to see when they uh, when they go to the Wanna window. See our new yeah, here we go. When they go to the window, it just. You bet. Make <laughs> <laughs> the show now. So now they're going to the window, and they're showing them their, their school well, books. So it's well, just, well, well, well. It's just so weird. Well. Here it comes again. And now they have the creepy music. Opens the windows himself. Hi, kids. And as you can see, Buffy is sitting there with her panties well, right in its face. So it's even creepier. You two her, sat in a weeping willow. Looking for the creep factor. Look, he's just sitting there in the kids' room and then running. Oh, hey. Oh, hi, Mr. Davis. How are you, Mr. Frank? <laughs> Congratulations on Jody and Buffy being in upper first grade. Oh, you know about that, huh? Yeah, who would know better? I was right glad to fill in for you when they needed help on that new math. Every day this week, I've been learning their brains out. Oh, my God. Come on, folks. Isn't that the creepiest thing you've ever seen? I've been learning their brains. Everything about this episode is goddamn creepy. It's so weird, right? Oh, my God. It's, uh, oh, I, I couldn't. Whew. Actually, it uh, it was disturbing me so much. I had to turn it off. It's so weird. I can't believe they uh, that was at 40, 50 years ago. So I guess 
times were different, but I feel like if I was watching that as a kid, I I don't know whether I'd think that was cool that if you lived in the city, a man could come down and just say hello. I'd probably think it was cool. But now what we know now and all that kind of stuff, and it's just how funny is it when Brian Keith comes in, he's like, hey, hey, what's happening? Hey, how are you? And it's happened to me before. All right, I'm going to share the screen again. So I don't know whether you heard, but Monopoly is changing. They've decided to change their cards. I have a little picture on the screen of their their community chest cards that are, I guess, outdated as they, you know, with their cancel culture and everything and their chance cards. So uh, the get out of jail free card apparently is uh, somehow disturbing. But mostly, of course, uh, and I'm showing the pictures here on the screen. You have won second prize in a beauty contest. Collect $10. Now, why that should be disturbing when it's the dude. They haven't said it's a man or a woman. It's actually 85 years old and politically correct. It's the guy standing there with flowers. So they're not saying it's just a woman's beauty contest. They don't say a bathing suit contest. They just say a beauty contest. So why is that so bad, actually? You know, but everybody's okay. Bank error in your favor. Collect $200. This one apparently is is very awful for everybody. I'm going to zoom in a little bit more here. I mean, we remember these as kids. Grand opera opening. Collect $50. That's probably one, <laughs> but it's not bad, but they're going to pay hospital $100. Go to jail. Go directly to jail. I guess pay school tax. The Christmas fund matures. Collect a hundred dollars. All right. Well, maybe there's something to that, I guess. But whatever the case may be, it's pretty, it's pretty stupid. But they're gonna let you pick. Hasbro is gonna let you pick what the next community chest deck is. So I thought we would vote today. As you can see on my screen, you have the choice. You. <laughs> These are so, I'm just going to say it. Yay, you organize a family reunion, collect $200. Or or you help your neighbors clean up their yards after a big storm, collect $200. Well, since I hate my family reunions, I'm going to vote for the big storm. And we're getting the okay. Here's the next ones. <laughs> Maybe we'll do five of these. I don't think I can do all 16. You organize a group to clean up your town's walking path, collect $50. Or... You volunteer your art skills and paint a mural at the local school. Collect $50. We've just become a nation of pussies. There's just, oh, and look at me. I'm like, I don't even think I can do any more of this. Uh, I don't know. The art school, I'm going to vote on that. Okay, here's, here's a good one. Blasting music late at night. Your neighbors do not approve. Go to jail. Go directly to jail. Do not pass. Go do not collect $200. Or you find a wallet on the sidewalk and decide not to return it. Go to jail. Go directly. Oh, my God. We'll go with the late night stuff. This is this is boring. Well, if you can see it, it's better, I guess. But it's really not. It's just the words. There's no pictures or anything. You go to the local school's car washed fundraiser, but... You forget to close your windows, pay $100. Yeah. Or you held a neighborhood party, but you didn't recycle your trash, pay $100. I'll go for the second one, your neighborhood party. That sounds like more of the stupid windshield. Please, it, Who wouldn't forget to close? If you're going to a, a neighborhood car wash, that means it's not like a, a machine car wash. They're going to tell you to close your goddamn windows. 
Number four or five. Your neighbor, you help your neighbor bring in her groceries. She makes you lunch to say thanks. Collect $20. That's okay. Or meow, your knit cozy sweaters for the hairless cats at your local. Oh, you knit cozy sweaters for the hairless cats at your local animal shelter. Collect 20. I'm going to go with the bringing in the groceries. Hairless cats are gross. You volunteer at your local literacy center and learn some fun phrases in new in a new language. Collect 100. You help build a new school playground, then you get to test the slide. Collect 100. Now, that's what I'm talking about. That's a vote. That's a pretty good one. Let's do this last one. Just when you think you can't go another step, you finish that foot race and raise money for your local hospital. Collect $200. Or you shopped local all week. Advance to go. Oh, my God. You shopped local all week. All right. I'll vote for that one. Oh, it's so lame. Oh, my God. Look, you sp- I have to do one more. Look at this. You spend the day playing games with kids at a local children's hospital. I mean, that's it's lovely, but it's, it's just necessary for mono- monopoly. Or you volunteer as a homework helper and you learn some stuff, some stuff, too. Uh, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm getting out. <laughs> I don't care. I can't. I can't finish the vote. I, I can't do it. Let's look at some slides. Um, I I didn't make any order in particular. I'll just go with what I have here. So I took this picture from my TV. This is right on my block. Uh, it's a picture of the Queensboro Bridge, the scene directly from Manhattan, the Woody Allen movie. Uh, the Queensboro Bridge with a little bench, right in Sutton Place Park, and it, as you can see on the right hand side it's tom and jerry it's from the movie when they started hanging out all day and i just love it that it's like it looks like it's a picture i just took on like i went outside took this picture and it turned out tom and jerry were there so i i took it right off the tv i thought it was actually kind of cool <laughs> it's the cartoon tom and jerry sitting on a thing now meanwhile if i had seen a mouse in that park i would have run away and screamed but jerry uh, what an instigator Here's that picture I was telling you about last week with uh, Connie on the phone and, and the picture of her dad, and, you know, of Don Corleone on the mantelpiece. You know I got to get that photo. You can see it there. I know we talked about it already, but now you can see it if you're watching the video and how funny it would be if I had it on top of my piano. And look at the in the back over here. You can see the old-fashioned blue seltzer bottle. We used to have those as kids. My sister would remember when we uh, would be at my grandparents in Brooklyn, they would deliver a wooden case of those, a case of those. Who goes through that much seltzer in a week? I don't know, but you did. An old-fashioned seltzer bottle, you know, like the, the, the ones a clown would use to scratch in the face. And look at this. Is, I took this photo. I purchased the last Aunt Jemima maple syrup bottle with Aunt Jemima on the cover. They've taken her off because apparently it's politically incorrect. I don't know why. I don't know. She always looks good. See, to me, her photo just represented delicious. I didn't think anything racist about it, but I have the final bottle, and I guess when I finish the syrup, I'll keep the bottle because it'll be a collector's item. Maybe I shouldn't have opened it at all. But I, you know, I needed the syrup. Sometimes I make waffles can't eat waffles with that syrup i mean all right so here's the video i was telling you about yesterday or last week 
of me performing that I taped from my from the back of me, which of course is everybody's favorite bald spotting area. Um, tape taping when I was performing on Gilbert's show. I thought you'd find it interesting. You can see here, I, I'm just making a fast motion. I'm picking up the mic, and I and I'm talking and doing my act in front of the camera, but in my apartment. And and you can just see a little bit of the screen on the bottom here. They're, they're all high and they they're eating they're healthy and you know they're not going for nonsense. So uh, it's not anybody's fault. But uh, I got to tell you, I've been asking to open for Gilbert for about 20 years. And uh, he uh, said, I'll tell you what, I can't do the invitation. But uh, he said, I'll tell you, if every other comic gets some form of virus, you can open for me. So it all, I love COVID. Thank you. It's so, kind of interesting. I mean, the jokes aren't very but, good, but uh, uh, no, you know, I'm actually that. performing for 400 people in this <laughs> video you're watching here in my in the comfort of my that's living room. See, but it's never going to happen. No, it's all right. You know what? Uh, that's why. And you can see the little picture of me on the screen the here with the backdrop. So it actually looks like yeah. I'm standing at a comedy club. <laughs> yeah, right. That was a good, great documentary. That was. Just, and if you look right back over here. Right on so that little good. area. That's and my Rodney Dangerfield action figure. <laughs> but I thought you'd find that interesting because I found that interesting. It's just so weird. And now you can see why I don't want things to come back because I was really enjoying <laughs> if I could make money just performing in my apartment. Well, who wouldn't want to do that? I don't need the laughs. I don't need the, the audience's affection. I'm good with this. And there, there were people laughing uh, enough. But look at look at the, look at my hair it's so it's awful it just bothers me a lot but anyway isn't that stupid well that's where i'm taping the podcast right now but i'm sitting down although it's backwards so it's confusing me of what this is this is a little look at look at my apartment it's stupid it's just but it's a you know you can't really get a a feel for it oh so there is the i took a picture of gilbert performing see how it looks like a comedy club kind of he's standing also but he's um too close i was standing back so you could see me so it looked like i'm really standing on the stage and then you could see the people up here in fact there's Susie felber up there you can see that's how i knew she was there and there's you know all the people that you could see were on and you can go for that's just uh i guess one two three four five so there's one two three, there's 25 people here and then you have to scroll but there were 400 people watching and here you can see, if you look on the right, all my stuffed animals from my uh, puppet show. <laughs> a little insight into how I live my life. But you might like it. Oh, I, I put this together. This is my meal prep uh, that I've been doing. I told you about it. And here is the stuffed peppers I made last week. And you can see all four days of the meal prep. You see how I stacked it with the green beans on the side, the stuffed peppers with cauliflower rice. Doesn't that look delicious? It came out good. Oh, here's a picture. Here's that death card of that girl, Trish. <laughs> I'm giving you insights into my kitchen and apartment. It's fascinating stuff. But uh, I suppose if you listen to the podcast, you probably like it. But uh, yeah, so that I, I think about her too, which is retarded. She's right under the toaster because, you know, I had to pull her off my refrigerator. And there's a close up of the stuffed pepper. Doesn't it look delicious? Doesn't it look delicious? That's what I cooked on Monday. And here is the skillet. What are they called? Skillet meatballs. Look how delicious they are. Four meatballs a piece, and then the broccoli in the other compartment. 
Does not look great. And that dirty dish towel right there, for some reason, I chose that that would make a good picture for some reason. Here's the close-up. I thought you'd like that. I've been telling you about the meal prep, so I thought I'd show you a picture. I keep, take, I keep forgetting to take pictures of it, so I finally remembered. But it looks delicious, and if we go back, you see it's like it's just about portion control. And that's the key. So here's the view outside my window that I talk to you every week mostly. And as you can see, on Saturday, I just took this this morning, this Saturday morning, they got this huge crane. They're taking down this crane. This is the crane, by the way, that's been causing all of these issues for me. And then you can see this is the view outside my window. I thought you might like this. I figured this is what I'm going to get since the, the, the Felber thing was a bust. <laughs> you can see I see the East River there. Give you a little context. There's the, uh, well, you can't see, but the, the, the bridge is over here. And, yeah, look, there's guys on the crane. They're taking this down. But this was way all the way up. And that's what they're doing today. And they want to do that on a Saturday morning. Well, thanks so much. Okay, so this is that super hot Alexi McCammond, who, if you've heard about this, was supposed to be the editor-in-chief of Teen Vogue. And she just got fired last week because she tweeted anti-Asian and anti-gay tweets 10 years ago. Now, she is 27. So when she was 17, she was tweeting. Uh, You can see it says 11. So that's 10 years ago. And it is beautiful that she's getting shit on. She's Some people are trying to give her a pass, but here we go. Somebody from that generation is getting canceled out. It's beautiful. Do not give her a pass. People say, I've met her. She doesn't have a racist bone in her body. These tweets are completely racist. It's just like that girl I told you about who was a lawyer at my firm. And when she got drunk, she said, I forgot to tell you, I hate Asians. How is this not racist? Here's her tweet from 10 years ago. Outdone by an Asian hashtag what's new because she was at school and the Asians were doing better now googling how to not wake up with swollen Asian eyes how about this one give me a 2 out of 10 on my chem problem cross out all my work and don't explain what I did wrong thanks a lot stupid Asian teacher's assistant you're great well fuck her well, that was 10 years. I was 17. Fuck you. We're all getting shit on from stuff we did 20, 30 years ago. You should too. And it's great that it's coming back to somebody who's 27. This is fantastic. This is the best thing that could ever happen. She's so hot. It's beautiful. And look at this. And here, here are her other ones. And, and they're saying, no, I don't think she should be. Are you fucking kidding me? Why is this? This is one of her other tweets. Why is this newsworthy? It's not retweeted Chicago trip major league baseball umpire Dale Scott reveals he's gay. All right. Well, that's not too bad. How about this one? I thought you were a Lakers fan. You bandwagging homo. <laughs> ha, you're so gay. Well, that one I always say, but uh, look, all these tweets is the Asian ones are the worst. Clearly that we all, but Hey, that's what you get. You want to live in a goddamn world. Where this happens for stuff you did 10 years ago, you dumb high school fuck. That's what you get. Don't give her a pass. People are giving her a pass. Even the magazine is like, well, we don't think she's racist. Well, she is. She's really racist against Asians. 
which apparently everybody hates now. I think they're blaming Asians for the pandemic, which is ridiculous. You know how racist I am. I don't have a problem with Asians. I don't know. I mean, the, the only problem I have with Asians is that they think they're funny and they're not, except for Ronnie Chang. He's hilarious. But no, the ones that I know that were, I was working with, they're like, I'm funnier than you. No, you're not. There are a lot of people funnier than me. You're not one of them. Uh, that's a real issue. Asians thinking they're funny because they're not. Except again for Ronnie Chang. He's brilliant. And he's brilliant in Crazy Rich Asians. Anyway, this girl, thank God she got canceled. Look how she's so pretty, though. <laughs> Was that it? Is that all we had today? Son of a... I thought we had some more. It was kind of fun, right? Well, that's the other thing I was talking about is that uh, about the cancel culture was Piers Morgan and uh, how he is getting shit on from uh, talking about Meghan Markle and everybody says it's racist. He's not saying racist. He goes, he's basically sticking up for his government. It's like people sticking up for Trump and he's getting all this shit. And he goes, Meghan Markle should apologize for what she said about the royal family. So apparently he's a real Brit and Sharon Osbourne sticking up for him. And she goes, well, I think what Meghan Markle did was awful, too. And he's making fun of her suicide attempt. So he's not making fun, but he's just saying it's all bullshit. But, but that's his prerogative. He's sticking up for his what he knows as a Brit. The royal family don't pick on them. It's be the way I feel. When I see that the Post is picking on Biden for full, they're picking on Biden. The guy just got in office. Give him a break. He's our president. Relax a little bit. That's all he's doing. You can't get angry at him. He hates Meghan Markle. She's speaking out against what he grew up and knows in this moniker. We don't like the queen. If anybody that watches the crown realizes they're, they're old, they're antiquated, and it's over. But you can't give, you got to give somebody a pass who's grown up think, thinking the queen is the shit. And that's the way the country should be run or whatever, because that's what he was brought up on. And it's not a bad, bad thing. And quite frankly, Meghan Markle is an ass. She's an actress. And I think she's doing a performance job only because how did they think that was going to go? You don't know. I mean, maybe the crown wasn't on when you married the prince. But what did you think was going to happen there? You saw how things worked out for his mom. I mean, what are you, stupid? You, you don't know what happened. Everybody knows what happened to Princess Diana. And if you don't know, then you're a moron. You saw the way they treated her and you saw the way it ended. And then you saw what Charles did. He like, married his old, the one he wanted to marry. So why you're suicidal and how you thought things were going to be different. That's on you, man. I don't know if it's necessary to call out your, 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 your in-laws like that. I, it's, you know, that's on you. And if, if Harry wanted out, I get it. Because what they did to his mom, he should have left a long time ago. So good for him. But I just don't feel you need to go on Oprah. And I mean, it's awesome because you got to love the juicy gossip. And it's great. And making those allegations, especially after you see the queen. If the queen, I keep calling the queen. If you see the crown and you see that final season and the way they treat Diana and and you know it's true. I mean, maybe it's a tiny bit exaggerated, but it's got to be true. Most of it's true. I mean, all the stuff they've been doing is based on truth. And we know what happened with Diana, and we know how it ended, and we know how it really ended. So, I mean, if you watch that, you just and and what they've done to all their entire family over the years, which is their poor sister, and nobody can marry properly or anything in this old custom that doesn't even have any power anymore, and how they're 
trying to hang on to the last gap of breath of uh, what's left of a, a, a ridiculous monarchy. And meanwhile, the, the fact of the matter is the British people are, well, they're smarter than us. They know more stuff. They're better educated. And it's a fact unfortunate. Like I told you, all you need to do is see the, uh, the trip that we always play with Steve Coogan and the other guy and, you know, how they just know Shakespeare and everything. They study. They go to better schools. They have a better education system. I know it's uh, horrible to talk against our country like that. Meanwhile, I love this country. And I got to say, I'm really happy the way the government has helped us during the pandemic, whether it's with the stimulus check or the unemployment. I, I was just talking to my friend Vincent about it yesterday, and I said it's really great the way the government has helped. If you don't believe that, I, I don't know why you wouldn't. Uh, for me, they've been really nothing but helpful. And it was one of those things where I wonder what would happen in a real emergency, but I feel like they came through both administrations. How about that? But let's face it, the British people, when you know Shakespeare and you can quote it, that's a pretty good deal. I always think that's the epitome of being smart, but although then we've met Sophia, so I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm joking. She's not going to see this anyway. I guess I'm just thinking about her because she's coming over. What should I wear? Oh, I think she wants me to wear a jacket and tie. Oh, well, you'll be able to see it. So I think we're doing this thing called Monday Night Money. It's very brilliant. It could be something. I just told her to have, I'll be the host, but have all your model friends on. What do we need DJs and comics for? Just have your model friends on. So it's a bunch of models talking about money and stocks. Who's not watching that show every week? I don't think she seems to understand. <laughs> like, I mean, the, the people that follow her on the stock twits thing, it's because she uses a photo of herself. If she didn't use a photo of herself, nobody would follow her. Uh, it is kind of funny that she doesn't. I mean, she gets it. That's why I like her, because she always gets it. Remember when I first met her, and I was like, how did you get these free Chipotle things that I can give out of this thing? She goes, oh, oh people just give me stuff because I'm hot. You know, it's like, that was the day I realized, okay, I like her. Because she's not pretending. I don't know. People just give me stuff. I don't know why. So at least she gets it. And I like that. Well, you know, I think that's our show for this week. Now, I don't, I think it's video worthy. We showed some slides. We showed some videos. It's all right. And they can't all be gems. Actually, I thought it was pretty good, actually, because uh, I, I prefer to show slides and stuff like that, like we do on the Tuesday show, than actually have an interview. But uh, I, I hopefully you liked it, too. We like to do this once a month. Hopefully you like it too. And I don't know. I know a lot of people like it just the, just me talking and they don't really care about the interviews. But like I have always said, I like to mix it up. And we like to strict this up because then next week it'll be exciting when we're all just back in the usual bedroom overlooking that stupid crane, which hopefully will be gone by then. Looking at the nice water on a Saturday morning. Do the show. Things go back to normal. Probably uh, not do Saturdays. I'm, I, I'm, so, I'm, I'm also angry that she's coming here today because it, this is my Saturday. I usually I wake up, I do the podcast, I edit the podcast, I, 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 I get the stuff ready, you know, and now it's I, and then I order dinner, and now she's like, I, I'm coming over at two, two. That, that, that messes up my whole day. I, I, I can't handle it. What, what am I going to do after that? I don't, but I, and I had to tell myself when I was in the elevator yesterday going down to get my newspaper. I said, try not to be crazy. Try not to be crazy. Try not to be crazy. That's going to be my motto for this week, every year. Try not to be crazy, everybody. Stay safe, get vaccinated, and I'll see you next week on the Night Five Podcast. Good night, everybody. Bye.